Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Matthew chapter 22, verse 21. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would pour out your blessing on me, that I would preach your word truthfully, and build up and instruct and bless your people who seek to follow you more closely. In the name of your Son, Jesus, I pray. Amen. It's quite easy to be blind to the stakes that are at play in this exchange that Jesus has with these envoys of the Pharisees. Note the sort of cowardice that they're sending these envoys, um, as well as the folly that when we look in light of the full witness of the Gospels, we see, you know, it says they're trying to trap him in his words. It's like, you're trying to trap the word incarnate in his words? Like, it just reveals the ignorance as to who Jesus truly is. So the stakes that are at play is that they think they've given him no way out, that they've presented this binary choice. Like, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Setting aside the irony that the Sanhedrin itself was the tax-collecting body for the, the census tax, which is what's being talked about. So they say, you know, their, their hands are already covered in sort of the muck of the empire, but they're testing him. They think they've set him up this choice because if he says, yes, it is lawful, the crowd with their sort of populist vision of what the Messiah will be will, will lose interest in Jesus, right? They're looking for this sort of this Messiah that's going to raise up this kingdom of Israel and push against this Roman overrule. And if he says, yeah, yeah, it's pay taxes, he'll lose a huge amount of... Um, the sort of the, the spirit, the zeal of the crowd that's been looking for him to be Messiah based on their conceptions of the Messiah. So if he says yes, he loses credibility in the eyes of the crowd, that he is um, not the revolutionary Messiah they were expecting. If he says no, it's not lawful, um, political tensions in the, around the, in this decade or two uh, were very hot between the Jewish people and the Roman Empire. It, it would be... Um, seditious to say no no we, we do not honor the laws of the roman empire right it would cast him as a revolutionary and give them clear ground to hand him over to roman authorities and for imprisonment or worse but in any case it would end his sort of messianic career so they think they've got him like here it is if he says no he's doomed he loses his messianic following if he says yes he's imprisoned he loses his messianic following we've got him so they think but as um, Jesus always does when people seek to um, put him in a corner and to, and to put a lid on divine truth with human categories, he sort of just, with such ease and gentleness, just steps above this false binary, this sort of dilemma that's being presented, just rises above it and speaks with a heavenly wisdom that transcends these human categories, it still informs the human categories. They're still connected, but he just rises above it. He asks for a coin, which is an interesting footnote that he didn't have a coin on him. So radical was his voluntary poverty in his own unique calling, right? That when he told the rich man to go sell everything, he wasn't asking something he himself had not already done. Didn't even have a coin to show. He asks for a coin. Um, I actually looked, you can buy this exact coin on eBay. It's like 500 bucks, 600 bucks. Um, 
it's kind of interesting that you, they've actually found enough of them. Anyways, it has, just like coins today, the head of the emperor. I mean, not the emperor, but the head of the, the civic leader uh, and the inscription around it. The inscription, which um, reads, Tiberius Caesar, um, divine august son of Augustus. That's what the coin said. So someone hands him a coin, and with a sort of um, chosen innocence, this is, I think, the closest the Lord Jesus comes to sort of a, almost like a joking tone. There's a, such a humor in it. He's like, well, whose name is on it? And then, as now, if you have property that you want to sort of keep as yours, you put your name on it, right? I remember growing up and having every piece of clothing, having my name sewn into the tag and the shoes at school, everything. But anyways, you put your name on things that you want to mark as yours. So with a sort of childlike innocence, he's like, well, whose name is on this thing that you're asking about? Well, Caesar. Okay, well, then give it back to him. It must be his. Render can also be translated give back. Right? Give back to Caesar the thing that's got his name on it. There's this um, delightful and provocative uh, innocence in that. Like, it's got his name on it. Money is just a, this tax, money, tax, the national um, system of which sort of has produced this whole thing. In the eyes of Jesus, these are, um, have the gravity of a child's plaything. Right? Give it back to Caesar, it's got his name on it. Render to, and then um, conversely, he counters with the much heavier mandate than taxes. Render to God what is God's. Render to God what is God's. And what the, thing, the things, render to God the things that are God's. And the question emerges, well, what is that? Um, and the image of a coin actually is beautifully played on here by the Lord. Remember the word image. Think about where else that word occurs in Scripture. The Greek there is icon. Occurs in Genesis 1, right? We are made in the image of God. And then there's an image and an inscription, especially in the New Covenant, we have inscribed over us forgiven by the blood of Jesus. We are stamped with his image. We are marked with the purity of his likeness by grace. So like a coin that belongs to God, there's this parallel image, and you belong to God. Sorry, the coin that's marked with Caesar, you, like the way a, Caesar, a coin is marked to Caesar, you belong to God. You're marked with his image. You're inscribed with his inscription. So give back to him what? Your life. Your days, your time, your body, your mind, your soul, yourself, your will, your dreams. And as a token of that, your stuff, that's kind of the tie into Malachi this morning. Right? When we give money to the church, it's just a token offering, symbolic of our total offering of ourselves. Rendering to God what is God's is our first priority, and rendering to Caesar what is Caesar's is our, our second priority. <coughs> Jesus is enlarging the scope of the question. So what that means is, do we pay taxes? Yes. Right? Do we honor the emperor? Yeah. Um, and then, um, but to do so is, uh, is a very easy, it's a very light thing, right? We're just interacting with this momentary world, these governments that in the perspective of God uh, are but a breath. And we do it out of honor, out of obedience to God. We honor the small potatoes. The much larger potato, the much larger question is, our life in Christ, our life in his body, our life as Christians. That is the far more serious question in Jesus' eyes. So, um, that, to bring it into 
today, this teaching, what, is, what implications does this have for us today? When we think about our own participation in national life, in civic affairs, um, we all, I think, you know, the, the most sort of focused point of our engagement is our voting, and that's when we get, as a democracy, to get to contribute our voice uh, to leadership. But the predominant way in which we participate in civic life and national affairs um, is, is our engagement with current events and, and our engagement in civic life and our sort of engagement with the news and talking and weighing in and trying to influence opinion among our friends and family and community and the national life. Our participation in um, the sort of the information age version uh, of civic life. I want to suggest a thought teased out of what the principles that Jesus lays down here in terms of render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God's what is God's about our civic life and get our participation in our civic life. I think there are two extremes that are forbidden to the Christian and I think we have liberty in the middle. So the extremes that are forbidden um, a sort of unquestioning lackey hyper-patriotism is forbidden to the Christian. That would be to make the question too grave, to be giving too much to Caesar. It's interesting, it's noteworthy, that on the coin, Tiberius described himself as divine, right? Tiberius sees it the divine son of Augustus, that zeal for the nation left on its own keeps pushing and blurring into idolatry. One of the ways that Christians in the in the second, in the third century were tested was, um, would you offer a pinch of incense to a statue, an idol of Caesar? So hypertrophied had the patriotism become. So I think a hyperpatriotism is forbidden on the one hand, and on the other hand, um, a radical, radical revolutionary action is also forbidden to the Christian, right? That Jesus was not a zealot. He was not this messianic overthrower of the Roman Empire. This radical revolutionary action is also forbidden to the Christian. So apart from those extremes, which knowing I don't believe any of you are falling into uh, with any regularity, um, inside those two options, we have um, some diversity of like Christian wisdom about how to interact with our national and our civic life. And I want to offer a, a thesis, an idea. I think the baseline Christian way of engaging, the baseline, and let me, uh, this thought will be developed, but the baseline um, is a sort of quietism, a sort of general uh, following um, of the injunction in First Thessalonians of seek to live a quiet life. I, I love how the NIV renders it, make it your ambition to live a quiet life. A sort of very minimalist engagement with the sort of tumult of news cycles and current events and civic affairs. Not a total non-engagement, we still vote, still, you know, but a minimal engagement. I think that should be the baseline. And I think that God calls some of us, some of you, into a vocation that demands more engagement than that. That demands a knowledge of current events, that demands a knowledge and a wisdom about interpreting the times. Um, but it should be according to vocation, right? That especially if you're literally in political life, or if you're in some sector that interacts with the national government or life, um, then it's necessary that you, as a stewardship that you be engaging more thoroughly with news and current events. I actually want to hold up um, our brother Deacon Lincoln in this regard, that both in his secular work 
uh, and in his unique vocation as a deacon, um, is demanded to have some knowledge about what's going on in the world. And he does so prayerfully and kind of, when I say this word minimalism, what I mean is as opposed to just chasing every knowledge and curiosity trail and wanting to be the expert on every field in the kind of presumptive way that I think sometimes can happen with heavy engagement. But I think Lincoln, Deacon Lincoln really models a vocation demanding a knowledge of civic life and, and doing that well. So some of you are called by vocation, um, but I think the baseline should be like a quietism. And, and I say this because this is an inversion of, our, I think, the spirit of the times, which is that, oh yeah, the baseline is we should all be maximally immersed in the news cycle. I mean, it's playing in like every public sphere we go, and you go to the gas station and they're playing news on the screens, on the pumps. And as if it's like an opting out to have a sort of quiet spirit. Now that should be the norm for the Christian. That's the thesis I present to you. Um, so that, so much for rendering to Caesar what is Caesar's. I want to end with the most important thing, rendering to God what is God's. And um, just to sort of highlight one tiny moment in our liturgy that I hope you've noticed before, but if you haven't, I wanted to draw your attention to it as a sort of emblem of a larger picture, which is that in the midst of the Eucharistic prayer, I have this one line of prayer where I, where I pray on behalf of us all, because when I'm praying at God's altar, I'm praying just on behalf of the people of God, where I say, um, and we offer to you, O Lord, ourselves, and I put my hands on the altar. I offer to, we offer to you ourselves, not myself, singular, ourselves, plural. We offer to you ourselves, our souls and bodies, to be a reasonable, meaning rational intelligence, using the mind, and living sacrifice. Um, and in this sort of momentary like act of worship, where we're presenting, I'm symbolically laying our lives once again on God's altar in this gesture of, of offering. That is um, an emblem, a cornerstone of what should characterize the rest of the six and a half days after this moment of worship together. Right, of offering our life to God. The largest portion of which we do um, sort of assertively when we pray, thy will be done. Right, when we say, God, I want your will done in my life. When we offer our daily life, our stewardship of our vocation and our families and our careers to God. Um, but I also want to just remind you that it's not only offering sort of, Lord, this is for you, but we're also invited as children of our Heavenly Father to ask what he would have us do. That in, not just at moments of like big life decisions, but even in the day to day. Lord, what would you have me do? Or often, more often, how would you have me do this? And to listen. And sometimes he speaks and sometimes he doesn't speak in a way that we're able, we're, sometimes we're not able to hear him. Um, it may be, he may speak through circumstance, through the counsel of a friend, through the quiet voice of the spirit, through prayer. But ask, Lord, what, what would you like me to do with my life? Right? When we, if we're really yielding our life to God, we'll occasionally, hopefully more than occasionally, ask him, God, what should I do? What should I do in this situation? And in so doing, we manifest giving back to God what is God's. He gave you your life. We give it back to him with thanksgiving. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render to God the things that are God's. Amen.